Blog Talk Radio. Oh, hello, special lady. I think it's time for a little one-on-one conversation. Talking about my baby, baby. Oh, not you, baby. Our baby, baby. A recent scientific study of lactation. Magical lady, gotta get down to business. Gonna turn the lights down real for a slideshow on childhood disease resistance. Wonderful woman, if you do breastfeed, a little baby will be at less risk for respiratory illnesses. Hey, I'm just talking about breastfeeding. Educate your sweet self at 800-994-WOMAN or forwoman.gov or talk to your health care provider. Babies were born to be breastfed exclusively for six months. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to add counsel in this station, baby. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys, or you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, you can send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. You can send the email to Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. I have a lot of contests, giveaways, so you definitely want to follow on one of the social media app, uh, platforms. And you could probably win a book, you could win uh, movie tickets, you could win all types of things. We had concert tickets, but, you know, now, because of COVID, you know, we can't get together like that. But still follow, and you could be a winner. And you also see pictures of other winners. Well, you just heard that public service announcement, and I think you can imagine what this show is about. This show is going to be about breastfeeding. And I have two great guests this morning, specialists in the field, if you will, uh, the first is Jabina Coleman. She's a licensed social worker and an international board-certified lactation consultant. She has also published textbook author for Breastfeeding and Human Lactation, 6th edition, and she is featured in multiple media outlets, including the Huffington Post, Philadelphia Inquirer, WHYY, KYW. Jabina is a recipient of the United States Breastfeeding Committee Cultural Changemaker Award. Say that six times. Good morning, Javina. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. I um, really appreciate you taking the time. I know people are busy, um, and I thank you for that. I also have Elizabeth Bain. She's an award-winning filmmaker. She focuses on health and social issues. Um, she uh, does PSAs, documentaries, short films. They have appeared on ABC, the Smithsonian Channel, and Aspire TV. Um, she also has a film, a documentary called Chocolate Milk, and that's why I had her on. And um, she just completed, if that's correct, Continuing a Legacy, a short documentary about a girl from Compton's black cowboy community who competes in a junior rodeo. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Thank you for having me on, Joy. Thank you again uh, as well for coming on and taking the time out of your day to share your knowledge here. That was kind of funny, right? The soulful baby PSA, ladies. <laughs> it was very yes, cute. Yes, it was. Very sexy. <laughs> it was very sexy, but it was informative, right? Yes. And it's just <laughs> a, a humor and, and, and important announcements like that for 
you know, we try to have exactly. fun with that material as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a filmmaker, I'm sure you have to keep that balance of trying to be serious, but, you know, um, getting a little humor in there uh, with your work and trying to, you know, some people, it can be uncomfortable for people to talk about different subjects. But that's why I wanted to have this show. You know, I think um, I have a lot of shows, and they may be uncomfortable, but it's important to talk about certain issues. Um, I want to start with uh, Jabina. Um, So you're this international lactation specialist. Why should a woman breastfeed? I mean, the guy said a couple things on the PSA. What else can you tell us about why should a woman breastfeed? I think there are many reasons why a woman um, should breastfeed. There are many benefits for both mother and baby, but for mothers specifically, uh, it definitely increases the bond between mother and baby. Um, More on the health risk side, it decreases the risk for breast and ovarian cancer, um, it helps to, you know, bring the uterus back to its normal size um, in the postpartum period, uh, supporting uh, and helping with returning back to the pre-pregnancy size as well. Also uh, decreases the amount of blood loss, right, that a woman has or the birthing person has um, in the prenatal period. Um, there are also financial benefits, you know, economically, you know, breastfeeding is free. So you don't mm-hmm, have true. to, um, right? You don't have to pay for it. Um, but yeah, and so it definitely also increases and supports the the growth and development, brain development of the baby. Um, increases that again bonding between mother and baby. Um, Elizabeth, when you were doing the film and you were questioning the the, the people, did you what? There was a common reason why people decided to breastfeed. Or not breastfeed? What what did you find when you were interviewing people? The reason why women that I've talked to want to breastfeed is pretty pretty uh, consistent across the board. The reason not to is where you see a little bit more variety. Um, but most mothers that I have interviewed um, for the film and also for the web series that preceded it, I've talked to some 45 or 60 women um, about their personal breastfeeding journeys. And all of them want to breastfeed because they know it's the best thing for their baby, in quote. Um, a, lot, a lot of times they're not necessarily prepared for what that's going to look like. And um, mm. so people have different reasons why they're not able to reach their goals. And some people maybe experience challenges that they weren't anticipating, but they're still able to push past it. But um, for some women, it's uh, having a preterm birth or a C-section. Um, which makes it a little bit, uh, which delays their ability to um, initiate breastfeeding right away. Mm -hmm. Um, Other women, it's about returning, having to return to work um, earlier than they anticipated. Um, Others, lack of familial support. The people who are caregiving or babysitting don't quite uh, buy in with uh, breast milk and they're feeding your baby formula on the fly. Uh, That can Mm. interfere. Um, with those goals. So it's a, it's, there are a lot of different reasons. It depends on the mom and her situation. Now, Elizabeth, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jabina, I want to ask you, um, I, I breastfed my daughter for almost a year. I, I tried to do it. I did have to go back to work after uh-huh. about six months, but I did try to breastfeed. But I did not know how to begin. You know what I'm I don't uh-huh. know if that makes sense. It's not like just, okay, put the baby there and the baby's going to latch. I also didn't realize, like, for me, when I started, it was a little painful. And I was like, ah, but I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, 
Elizabeth said, people pass, push through it. Um, what's the best way to start? Are there tips and tricks that you could give a new mother about how to start breastfeeding? Yeah, I think breastfeeding starts, one, before pregnancy, um, when you're in the, the pre-pregnancy um, planning phase. I think it also starts um, with just understanding your why to want to breastfeeding and the benefits of breastfeeding. I think also understanding um, some, well, historical, like, you know, your family history around breastfeeding. I, for the person who is pregnant, uh prenatal breastfeeding education classes, I think educating yourself and, the, and your partner and those around you are important. Uh, building a community and or a village that you know is supportive and that could, yes, it, it can be your family, but then it can also be close friends. It can be other pregnant and parenting folks. Um, mm -hmm. Having a doula um, as a support person, I think preparing um, you know, with education, with resources and tools beforehand is, is a part of the, that best start so that when you do begin to breastfeed, similar to what um, Elizabeth talked about, like folks want to breastfeed and they have good intentions, but then it's when you are breastfeeding, when that baby is born, that very first week when things, um, you know, are all brand new and, you know, all of that, you don't know what to expect is now when you can lean on the information that you had received and or your community, your village, um, having a lactation professional, um, you know, on speed dial, <laughs> you know, having <laughs> right. is, is so important, you know, and so how do you start? I think you start by education. You start by, you know, understanding what to expect in those first okay. few weeks that, you know, with the pain and um, just the uncomfortability around it. I think that's important. Yeah, that would have been important. I did not have that, but um, I did have the support of my family about, you know, you know, breastfeeding. But there was not, like, a pressure of if you don't want to breastfeed, um, then you're bad or something. You know what I mean? Um, it was my uh -huh. choice, but I, I, it was in my mind that, okay, I'm going to breastfeed. Like, I never thought of not breastfeeding. You know what I'm saying? Um, Elizabeth, right. you, you, mentioned, you mentioned about um, people and their challenges as well. Um, some of the people, did they have to go back to work? And if they did, how did they handle that challenge, Elizabeth? In the, in the web series, um, different moms had issues where they didn't have a place to pump when they returned to work a consistent location. It was, for some people, it was an uphill battle to fight for that right, um, mm -hmm. to have a, a safe, clean environment to, to nurse or to breast pump in. And um, mm -hmm. for others, it was the, the rigor of their job made it so that taking breaks wasn't really realistic. Um, and uh, for, in the film, Tammy, she actually is able to uh, get access to a, a nice, nursing or pumping room, a lactation room is the mm -hmm. formal term for it. Right. And it has like a lamp okay. and a couch and a chair, but she never gets to it. And, you know, in her interview, she describes being so focused on just trying to do her job that she would miss her, she wouldn't miss her schedule for pumping. And uh, her mm. supply would decrease as a result. Oh my God. Missing your chance to pump. Let me tell you, I remember a crazy story of being out and like, Oh my God! I need a baby. Any baby? Somebody's baby. <laughs> Help me out, um, Jabina. You know how do you um, 
manage your breast in a sense in terms of like how frequently do you feed the baby? Is there a right or wrong answer to that of how frequently you feed? Or I think so. In the case of how, going, going back to work. Yeah, this is all. This isn't. This is why prenatal breastfeeding education is important because that you you learn feeding cues. You learn um, you learn when is important when there's a right time. So in the first few weeks of life, you're feeding this baby on demand. Uh, you're not watching the clock. You're pretty much watching your baby. Rule of thumb is for a newborn eight or more in 24. So you're nursing eight or more times in 24 hours. Uh, and mm. then as the baby gets older, feeding looks very different. So oftentimes when babies are nursing very frequently, this is when we, you know, some moms and some birthing people may think, oh, I'm not making enough, right? So doubt begins to creep in. Like my baby's mm-hmm. nursing mm-hmm. a lot. That means I'm not making enough milk. So in terms mm-hmm. of feeding, we really go off of the baby's feeding cues because what happens is the baby is going to tell your body how much to make. It's all about um, supply and demand. The more you, the more milk the baby removes from the breast, the more milk the body is going to make. And so I think in the very first few weeks of life, this is where we see a lot of the challenges because babies nurse frequently and consistently around the clock. And so, one so thing that was in my really mind that I was, that I, I, that I was just like a breastfeeder around the clock. It really does happen, <laughs> you know, because sometimes I just remember, like, didn't you just eat? Like, hey, slow down, you know. Um, let me let me ask um, Elizabeth here. Um, what were some of the problems where – did you have anybody whose baby did not want to breastfeed, did not latch on, and they had to go to um, formula? Um, well, first I want to actually comment on the last question. Um, one thing that I noticed was a challenge for moms is that if they didn't have a family history of breastfeeding, their their elders were only familiar with the behavior of a formula-fed infant, which does not need to feed as often. And so that was also part of what was uh, feed into that doubt uh, about whether or not a mother was producing enough because based off her mother or her aunt or her grandmother's recollection, mm. oh, the baby, if, if the baby needs to nurse eight times, that means you're not doing enough because when we formula feed the baby, they only need to <laughs> feed for a fraction of that. And um, right. so, so that's, okay. uh, I, I just wanted to point that out, that um, the, the behaviors of the nursing baby versus the uh, formula-fed baby are, are different, and that sometimes throws folks off. But to answer your question, um, in terms of, can you repeat your question? <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. Did you have any moms where the baby did not latch on, would not take the milk from the mother, and what did they oh, do? Yeah. How did oh, they choose yeah. to handle that? Especially in the web series, um, the women that I spoke with, um, that was a point of frustration early, early on that would make them question their commitment to nursing is just getting that latch. Um, I had one mom that I talked to who went through um, five different lactation consultants trying to figure out why her baby wouldn't latch on. And for her, it was just a marathon. It was just a stamina uh, thing where eventually, you know, many, many weeks after her, the birth, the baby finally decided to latch on. But she had tried nursing shields and, and different things. And um, it can be very frustrating for mothers. And, um, and that's, that's where I think, and Jabina, you could probably speak to this better than I can. It seems like that's where there's a lot of drop-off just because the mom's learning when the baby's learning because it's the first time for both of them sometimes. 
Right. Yeah. yeah, I think, and that's where you definitely need a lot of that support and professional uh, support as well, um, because folks will fall off, especially in the first few weeks of life, if they're not able to maintain a good latch, if, you know, if it becomes too difficult and too hard. And remember, moms are vulnerable at this time. There's a lot of, this, you know, the hormonal fluctuation that's happen- that happens during that time as well. And so that coupled with, you know, not knowing what you're doing as a new mom, you're learning just as much as this baby is learning. And then, you know, not having, you know, adequate social support at that time as well. So this is where, you know, group support comes in, community support comes in, as well as uh, professional clinical support. You know, this brings up the issue of class. You know, if you're um, a mother who is uh, below the poverty line, you're working an hourly job, maybe you're working, you know, at a bookstore or you're working at McDonald's, um, you know, where am I going to go to pump? Um, even though there's a law, you know, that they should have, you know, facilities and make accommodations and all these things, um, they're not going to do that for me, you know. And it also becomes an issue of uh, race in some cases because, you know, I've heard people say, oh, that's like white women do that. No, like, you know, we don't, we don't do that or, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to do that. You know, how do you handle that, um, Jabina, uh, when you hear these, these statements? What do you think our society can do? to make it more comfortable for women who don't have, say, an office job and can go to the fifth floor specifically to the lactation room, you know, what, what do you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is where um, normalizing breastfeeding and um, specifically for the community that I work in is in the black community. So normalizing breastfeeding, um, talking about it, talking about why do you think this is a white woman's thing to do? We know that there are historical reasons why, um, you know, stemming from racism and wet nursing and slavery. Um, And so really having open and honest conversations, not with just the pregnant person, but with also, um, Elizabeth mentioned, the grandmothers and the aunties and, you know, having these open conversations and educating the community. Um, Kimberly Seals-Allers often says, that it's not, it's the community who breastfeeds. And so we really have to uh, normalize breastfeeding by educating the community. Um, And in terms of workspace, preparing beforehand, it's important that you're having these conversations um, with your employer. Some folks have to return back to work within six weeks. So it's important that you have, you know, our providers have written letters to their, you know, employers to say, hey, this person needs to um, have a space to nurse, also providing them with the policy that they should have this space and this time to nurse. They need clean running water in this place and space should not be a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we have a couple people on the line. Let me see if they want to ask a question. Your your last four digits are 9422. Do you have a question? Good morning. Did you have a question for the guest? Okay, they probably just want to listen. All right. We have another caller, uh, 8923. Uh, Did you have a question for the the guest this morning? Hello? Okay, thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. Um, Let me ask you this. There's a couple challenges I was reading about um, in terms of uh, sore nipples. What can you do about that? Um, Also, breast infection. Um, I'm going to... Ask Sabina about this. What what can you do about these issues? 
So sore nipples um, oftentimes is a result of a poor latch, and I think that requires someone to take a look at it. Um, I encourage people, if if you are having any pain at all, that you need to, you know, reach out to a lactation consultant or a lactation professional, you know, reach out to your provider. Breastfeeding shouldn't hurt. It may likely be uncomfortable in the, in the beginning, but you shouldn't have continuous pain throughout your nursing session, um, and especially if your nipples are damaged. And so with that, um, definitely reaching out to a lactation professional to help guide you, to help, you know, talk about whether, you know, it's just an adjustment issue. Um, you know, there are tips and tricks but it's all individualized, right, because we're looking at the oral anatomy of the baby, and then we're also looking at the anatomy of the breast. And so although one thing may work for one person, it may not work for the other. And so this is where, you know, you know making sure that we have some good hands-on support um, to support moms during that time. Yeah, I had that experience. Like I said, it did hurt in the beginning, maybe like the first two weeks or something maybe, but then – it didn't hurt at all. Like, you know, um, now let me ask um, Elizabeth, why did you decide to make this film and how long did it take you to make the film? That is an interesting question, Joy. So I actually learned about the issue when I was reading an article in The Nation's Health, which is the newspaper publication from the American Public Health Association, which I've been a member of since I was in graduate school. And on the front cover, was an article stating that black women were breastfeeding at lower rates than white women. And up to that point, I didn't know anything about breastfeeding. Um, I didn't know that it was challenging for women, but I did know about health disparities and I knew about racial health inequalities. That's something that had really piqued my interest when I was in public health school. And so I read the headline and read the article. I immediately drew the assumption or the connection that this is a health disparity. This is about more than breastfeeding. There's something else there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's what drew me into the issue. And I, I read a lot of academic papers about it. I read a lot of articles about it. And then um, drawing on my public health background, I was like, let me talk to the stakeholders. And, um, you know, in speaking with them, they connected me with, with some mothers. And I decided, you know, because initially I was going to do a PSA. I thought that maybe black women just didn't know that breastfeeding was mm. good and better than formula. I thought, I was like, well, so we'll just do a PSA and, and, and that'll fix everything. But as I talked to moms, I, really, I started to understand that, it was more about structural issues. Um, it was more about how they're being treated in the healthcare system. It was more about mm-hmm. historical issues related to familial um, knowledge about breastfeeding, the legacy of slavery and how that ties in with our perception of breastfeeding. And so it was much deeper than just knowing whether or not it was beneficial. Um, and so that's when I started this long six-year journey. Um, so I started working on the project in 2014 where I just interviewed moms and posted them online as a web series. But three years ago, okay. I you know, realized that one-minute and two-minute videos weren't quite getting into that nuance. And so I started producing a, a feature film on the subject. Well, thank you for that. Javina, <laughs> um, <laughs> when should you stop? Because that's another issue. You see these crazy videos um, that people try to make comedic, if you will, of a woman and the child's like three years old and they're still breastfeeding. Um, when's the right time for a woman to stop breastfeeding a child? 
or is there a right time? The, Let's say, put it that way. Right. Um, I was that woman nursing a three-and-a-half-year-old. My daughter is now six, and I nursed her for three-and-a-half years. Um, there is no right time. It's recommended that you nurse exclusively for the first six months of life and then um, up to one year or two years. However, it, it's a relationship. It's when that baby and mother decide it's time to stop. Um, nursing into toddlerhood, there are immunological, um, you know, reasons why they should, you know, and protective factors as to why they should continue. So again, it's it's all individualized. Um, I think in our country, we are the only country that isn't breastfeeding, um, you know, I think other countries, it's up to like seven years. And so, mm. you know, people can breastfeed for as long as they desire um, to breastfeed. So, the, so um, to, uh, Elizabeth, when you were working on the film, what was the average of where women stopped breastfeeding? Did, do you, can you remember that's, or? The, so that's interesting. So T- Tammy, she wanted to nurse for a year. She was able to nurse for twice that long. Another mother, she wants, in the past for her two previous children, she had nursed for as much as 16 months, eight, uh, 18 months um, to two years. And for the one that we were following her for, she only was able to nurse for maybe just up to a year um, because of her mm-hmm. work schedule. Um, so so the, it's hard to say that there's an average, but maybe about a year and a, to a year and a half. But in my right. in my travels with the project, I've met women who are still nursing at the conference a five-year-old. And so we okay. try not to pass judgment. Um, a lot of people say, oh, after a year is strange. But in the breastfeeding community, we don't pass judgment. It's, it's, as Jabina said, how, that relationship, it's, it depends on the relationship between the mother and the child, and no one else is part of that. <laughs> now, Jabina, when you decide that you want to stop, how do you stop? Like, how do you um, get the baby to move on to using the bottle? And also, how do you care for your breast because of, you know, engorgement and things of that nature? How, what, what's the, what, what is the best procedure kind of to, to stop when you want to stop? There's a weaning process. Some people allow the baby to self-wean, and, and that may look like weaning at one year or 18 months or three, four years. Um, in the event that a person wants to wean or stop breastfeeding, it's recommended that you do it slowly because what will happen is you'll notice um, a huge hormonal shift and drop in your hormones. Um, And sometimes that can also just increase um, depression um, or anxiety or just mood changes um, and as well as um, engorgement. And so if you're going to wean, you want to do it intentionally and you may want to begin by cutting out one feed at a time. Um, So you may cut your morning feed or your midday feed, um, and you do it slowly. Um, And, again, it's a relationship. So sometimes mom might be ready to wean and baby is not ready to wean, Um, or Mm. vice versa. I've had clients where the baby was weaning, self-weaning, and the the mom or nursing person wasn't ready to, to let go. And so it's all, always not that easy and simple. I, you know, I wanted to stop weaning, um, stop nursing my daughter. I think my goal was initially six months and then a year, even as a lactation professional, right? And then it just kept going. She would, she would go to Florida and stay 
you know, six weeks with my parents and come back and still nurse. And it wasn't for me, it was like mm-hmm. a miracle. Like I still have, you know, my milk supply was still there. And so I think, you know, definitely taking your time to wean um, in terms of the breast engorgement, you want to release and remove milk so that you're comfortable um, in the event that you are engorged. But again, it looks different for everyone and, um, and it's a process. So there's no one, you know, right or wrong answer in how you do it. Yeah. I'm just thinking safety and like, and you, you know, the engorgement. I remember being engorged and, you know, just trying to, trying to handle that. I want to let people know that they can learn more about the um, chocolate milk documentary by going to chocolate milk doc, dot com. And you can learn more about the film. Um, you can learn more about purchasing a license there and maybe doing a screening in your community to people. I, be, I think that'll be very helpful for men and women um, to learn about more about breastfeeding and seeing different viewpoints. Um, and Jabina, uh, you're on social media um, as well. What, what, where can they reach you on social media? Tell them that. Yeah. So I am uh, at the lactation therapist on Instagram. I also host um, virtual support groups through on Instagram at Bay underscore hood. Um, as well, you can also check out, the Bay website, it's bayculture.org. And this is where we provide um, community resources and support around breastfeeding um, for the community. Wonderful. Well, thank you, ladies, Elizabeth and Davina, for coming on today for informing the community about breastfeeding. And um, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, okay? Thank you, Joy. Thank you you so much for having us. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, you can check me out on Twitter, at Joy Keys. You can also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Stay tuned. I'll be speaking with uh, S.A. Cosby about his book, and um, you can ask him questions about that. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.